Now today we are looking at uh, dishonoring God and scoring low in prayers. We just stay praying. So we just want to handle some of these things that help us to up our prayer game and, uh, and then score success in our prayers. It's not a secret that many Christians do not have their prayers answered. And because of that, they are running after prophets, running after pastors, running after people. If they were successful in their prayers, they will find that they don't need all of that stuff. But because of high rate of prayer failure, there is this dependence syndrome that drives people because people want to succeed. They want God to answer their prayer. So it drives them to where they think the success is. But that's not even scriptural. Because even though we pray for one another, we help one another, but to be independent and to grow and be independent is the thing that God wants us to be. We can't always be babies who depend on others. So we're trying to look at the things that will help our prayers to work from scriptures. In a, uh, so we're looking at dishonoring God and how it will make you score low in your prayer life. In uh, John chapter 8, verse 29, and the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Our Lord Jesus said, the reason my father sticks with me is because I cooperate with him. It's because I don't disagree with him, because he is God and I follow him. So he said, that's the reason he sticks with me. So, and now in these days of great irreverence and loss of the sense of respect and honor and sacredness, we need to be careful that the Corinthian church syndrome does not affect any of us. I coined this word Corinthian church syndrome. So what happened in Corinth? Corinth was a very wealthy city. Great business as a result. Great population and people were there. You know, money came, riches was there, opportunities. So naturally, it drew population. And then when people have money, it won't be long before, before they get anything they want. Once you are very rich, it won't take a long time before you get anything you want, good, bad, ugly. So people began to really do that in the world of Corinth, at the city of Corinth. So evil began to multiply, and iniquity began to increase, and became the popular culture. And it began to seep into the Corinthian church. People came to church, dragged those things with them into the church. And the church, because that was popular culture, they were avoiding persecution, and they were accommodating those things and just excusing them, exactly like today. Because there are certain things, practices you can't talk against, you can't con con even um, criticize. If you do that in the, in the society in which we live, you'll be ostracized. You'll be totally ostracized. You'll be looked at as, as, as somebody who has a mental problem. So that was the situation then. So because they were avoiding comfort, uh, persecution, so they simply just accommodated that. So the culture of the world seeped into the Corinthian church and took over the church. So the God of the world, the devil, took over their church and was now dictating what they were doing, what they accepted, what they didn't accept. The world will accept it, the church will accept it. The world says it's okay, the church says it's okay. So you can see how the God of this world was now controlling the church. So that was happened in the city of Corinth. We look at 2 Timothy 3 from verse 19. Yes, and everyone who wants to live godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Brethren, we can't run away from this thing. Everyone, everyone, everyone who wants to live godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. There is no running away from it. And the Bible tells us, but evil people are imposters will flourish. 
Because the the people practicing the mainstream culture, the popular culture, the one that they say is awesome, so they will flourish. People clap for them, use them for advertisements, use them as role models, and money will come their way. It's happening today. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. So we don't want this Corinthian church syndrome to hit us. Now look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 1. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something that even pagans don't do. So they learned and exceeded the pagans of their time. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. You are so proud of yourselves. You see, they just want to talk about it, you know, so you don't ruffle uh, feathers. You're so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. So instead of Morning in sorrow and shame, they were proud of it. They don't worry about it. That's the, that's the life we lifted. You know, people say, don't worry, don't tell them. Let Jesus teach them. I asked them, I said, so why did Jesus put teachers in the church? If you, did, if, if you could teach them, why did he put teachers? <laughs> what are the teachers doing? What are the pastors doing? They are just showing away from being persecuted because the truth is bitter. So now, in verse 6, you are boasting about this is terrible. So they were even <laughs> boasting about it. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? This will corrupt others. They start behaving like that. So you see a particular behavior that comes into the church before soon you see copycat copy behavior. People start copying it. That's what Paul is saying. He said, this thing you see that people condone here, very soon will become your popular culture. Others begin to uh, commit immorality with their stepmothers. 1 Corinthians 7, even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourself be cheated? Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. Verse 12, you say, I am allowed to do anything. See what they say? But not everything is good for you, though. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. If you say I'm allowed to do anything, say not everything is good for you, and even though then, how can you become a slave to anything at all? So that is free that was working in Corinth, and it's, 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 pervasive. it's pervasive. It's everywhere today. It's not really too different. It's not too different today. It's the spirit of the last days. It's a very virulent, arrogant, irreverent spirit, demonic spirit, very immoral spirit, extremely toxic will never allow anybody to repent, determined to destroy people's faith and drag them to destruction. The spirit of the last days. Belching out demonic doctrines, deceit all over the place. Second Timothy 3 verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the, in the last days, there will be very difficult times. Brethren is here. For people will love only themselves and their money. I mean, as we read along, tell me which one is not happening. In, that's not even predominant right now. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. Even on television screens, they scoff at God and then insult Jesus. Insult prayers, insult Christians. Even on television, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful, they will consider nothing sacred. Look at what I'm talking about. The sense of sacredness will be lost, totally gone. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. 
They would betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure. Talk of movies, man. Talk of pleasure. Talk of parties, clubs, Christians, troop there. Pleasure. They sit on the couch, cross their legs, watch movies. They won't go to Bible studies. Sunday morning, they are not interested. Leisure, pleasure. And love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are toxic too. That's what the Bible says. They're corrupting. So this spirit is active. It, I mean, it's safe to say that it's even active in the body of Christ. But you can see all these things, characteristics in, in churches. You don't have to look too far. You can see them in the body of Christ. Values of the world has become the culture of the church. Corinthian church syndrome. Bishops, pastors, denominations are preaching what the world wants them to preach. They are afraid to preach the truth. They are afraid to stand on the side of truth because people will leave their church. People will say, if you don't preach this, I'm not coming here again. And they succumb. They have become main pleasers, world pleasers. Everyone who wants to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. That's what the Holy Spirit says. If you want to avoid it, you don't want to live godly. Look at Jesus, our example, lived in his time, but he lived in serious, deep reverence for his father. Hebrews 5, 7. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because. There is a because there. And I think we should take note of that because if we also want to be successful like he was in prayer. Because of his deep reverence for God. Because that was the reason. His deep reverence for God. We live in a world where there's deep irreverence going on. There's no sacredness anymore. Insults, parents talk to elderly, anyhow. There's no sacredness anymore. But Jesus had deep reverence for God. First Samuel 2.20 Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. This is what God said. This is the promise I made you. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. You are not going to see it. But see how it affects even somebody that God had promised something. And now he's not going to experience it. So how does it affect us in prayer? When we go to God with promises, when we are deeply irreverent to God. When we are deeply dishonoring God. Say, yeah, I promise you that, but you are not seeing it. He said, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father will walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. It's not that God, God doesn't keep his word. It's that there are laws, spiritual laws in place. God says, you violate this law. This is the result of what you're doing. This is the result. This thing you're doing we rob you of your blessings. That's what Paul was warning the church. He said, those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It will rob you of your blessings. It will rob you of answers to prayer. It will. Look at this, 1 John 2, 6. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. How did Jesus live? Deep reverence for God. The scripture tells us something very interesting. That this deep reverence for God, what is deep reverence for God? It's, it's, it's a respect for somebody or something, you know, a deep respect for God. Deep respect for God. You know, and the Bible says it's the beginning of wisdom. The converse is also true. We used to do converse theory when I was doing geometry. So you have this, this is true, the converse also is true, the opposite is also true. 
So if 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 wisdom, if, if the if, the, if the, the fear of God, the reverence for God is the beginning of wisdom, the lack of reverence for God is the beginning of stupidity and foolishness. Psalm 110, the reverent fear and worship of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and skill, the, the preceding and the first essential, the prerequisite and the alphabet. A good understanding, wisdom and meaning of all those who do the will of the Lord, their praise of him endures forever. So somebody who doesn't care about reverence for God lacks wisdom. So what does it mean really to show reverence to, to, for God, reverence for Jesus? What does it mean to honor him? Proverbs 8.13 begins to show us. The reverent fear and worshipful awe of the Lord includes, includes the hatred of evil, pride, arrogance, evil way, and perverted and twisted speech, which God hates. So this, it includes to hate evil. Now look at Jesus again, that the scripture says if we want to, if we say we're following him, we should walk the way he walked. Hebrews 1.9, thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. See, that's deep reverence for God. Therefore, God, even thy God, had anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. That's why God anointed him, but God had his prayer, because he never really disagreed with God. So two are now walking together. Luke 6.46, and why calling me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say, you don't respect me, I'm not Lord, you don't treat me like Lord, when you do not do what I say. Deep reverence includes hatred of evil, hatred of pride, the things that God hates. The fear of the Lord is the fundamental manifestation of faith in the Lord. When someone says, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, faith is action. So if to reveal that you really believe in God, you have to have a deep reverence for God because God is God. So Hebrew 11.6, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. Now, if God exists, then I don't have any option but to give him deep reverence. If God doesn't exist in my mind, then I can do what I like. That's why the Bible says the fool has said inside there is no God. So he doesn't have reverence for God. So he lacks wisdom. So faith in God is revealed by action. It's not just words. Action lends credence what you say and what I say. If I say one thing and do another thing, that thing is it's not relevant. It's not believable. Nobody would, nobody would believe it. It's not believable. So action is what lends credence to whatever I say. If I say I believe in God, action will lend credence to that. And James 2.20, but you do want to know, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without work is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God, 24. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rehab the harlot also justified by works, where he received the messengers and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. So he's saying if there is no corresponding work that reveals that you really believe that God is, then you don't really believe that God is. He said Abraham showed his faith in God by what he did. So there has to be something that somebody sees that I'm doing, that God sees that I'm doing, that shows that I have faith in God, that God exists. And number one is deep reverence for God. A fool has said inside there is no God, and because of that, he has no reverence for God. 
But the wise person has said, there is God, and because of that, that's the beginning of wisdom for him. He begins to reverence the Lord. So we also dishonor God in what we give him. Giving God leftovers, treating God like a school boy, give, like he's a beggar. Giving God after we have served ourselves, put ourselves number one, then we give him what is left. That does not make him alpha and omega. That's not putting his kingdom first. Look at Malachi from verse 1, 6 to 14. The Lord of heaven's army says to the priest, a son honors his father. I say, yeah, a son honors his father, and the servant respects his master. If I'm your father, and you call me father all the time, I'm master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? Show, him, show me. You call me God the Father Almighty. Show me what is the honor and respect that I deserve. You have shown content for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown content for your name? You have shown content by offering defiled sacrifice on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defied the sacrifices? You defy them by saying, the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals a sacrifice, is it that wrong? Is it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased, the ones you don't want, the ones you don't eat? Try giving gifts like that to your governor when he visits and see how pleased he will be, says the Lord of heaven's army. Go ahead. Beg God to be merciful to you now, but when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Because those who dishonor me are dishonored. Why should he show you any favor at all? Ask the Lord of heaven's army. How I wish one of you will shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's army, and I will not accept your offerings. But my name is honored by people of other nations. From morning till night, all around the world, they offer sweet incense, pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's army. But you dishonor my name with your actions. By bringing contemptible food, you are saying it is all right to defy the Lord's table. You say it is hard to serve the Lord, complaining, murmuring, because you are giving God something. You complain in your heart. It's hard to serve the Lord. And you turn up your noses at my commands, say the Lord of heaven's army. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these? Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Proverbs 39. Honor the Lord with your possession. That's scripture. Honor the Lord with your possession and with the first fruit of your increase. Honor the Lord with your possession. Give God, when you are giving something to God, remember you are giving to Almighty God. You believe He's God, believe He is His. It will show in what you give Him, it will show in your attitude to give Him. He said, If your governor is visiting you, will you give Him grumbling and all that? Will you live for the best for Him? So look at what David said in 2 Samuel 24, verse 22. Take it, my Lord, the king, and use it as you wish. Aruna was giving David something to use for sacrifices, being the king. So Aruna said to David, here are oxen for the burnt offering, and you can use the threshing boards and ox yokes for wood to build a fire of the altar. I will give it all to you, your majesty. And may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. But king, the, the king replied to Aaron, No, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. You ask, why did God have a covenant with David? 
This is what you can see right here. He believed in God, honored God with all his life. He said, I'm not going to give God something that doesn't cost me anything. Love is proved by sacrifice. Love is proved by sacrifice, willing sacrifice. He said, no, I insist on buying it. For I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. Cost me nothing. So we give God the things that don't cost us anything. You know, left over. The things you don't miss. <laughs> Just drop it there. When we do that, we think we are wise. But remember, the Bible says that the reverential fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So when you do that, you don't respect God. You are not wise. You don't have wisdom. You don't believe that God is. That's what it means. Dishonoring the Holy Scriptures. If you... Do not have reverence for the Bible. You cannot honor it in real life. You can't use scriptures for jokes. Cracking, quoting scriptures for when you are cracking jokes. You can't use the, the word of God in vain. It is sacred word. The word was with God and became man. You don't use it for cracking jokes. If you do stuff like that, you are irreverent to God. You will not honor that scripture. You won't practice it. Reverence to the Holy Scripture is key to doing it. Very key to doing it. So you can't hold the Scripture in contempt, in contempt and dishonor it by using it anyhow, using it in foul jokes and stuff like that, joining the world in making fun of, of, the, of the Scriptures, or use it to manipulate people, or even disobey it. That's dishonoring God. You see, God exalted his word above his name. Psalm 138, verse 2. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your, for your kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. If God did that, if God gave that kind of honor to his word, why shouldn't we? Isaiah 66, too. My hands have made both heavens and earth. They and everything in them are mine, just in case we forget. God is reminding us here. I, the Lord, have spoken. What, God, what are you saying? I will bless those who have humble and contractors who tremble at my word, those who honor my word. You can't, you can't use the word of God for anything else except to honor him with it. Look at how Israel behaved when they read scriptures to them. Let's just see how they behaved. Nehemiah 8.2. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month, three. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday, before the men and women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. <laughs> Come on. Are we really, do we, do we, is it that, do we do this? When we go to church, do we do this? Attentive, six, verse six. Then all the people answered, amen, amen. While lifting up their hands, they said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the, the Lord with their faces to the ground. Simply because they heard his word. They reverenced his word. Bowed. Verse 9, and Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest, and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is, is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn away, because they started to repent. They began to repent. For all the people wept when they heard the word of the law. They began to repent. They listened attentively. They bowed and worshipped. This is, this is amazing. This is the word of God. So, okay, we dishonor God. Just lack of respect when we dishonor sacred places of worship where the presence of God is. Sacred institutions of God like marriage, 
and Holy Communion and the offices that God put in place. When we dishonor those things, we also dishonor the God that put them in place. Acts 5, 3 to 5. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Why it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. The man didn't know the presence of God was there. God says, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. He didn't recognize that. And Peter said, you are lying to God. Irreverence for the, a place where the name of God is called. And we call, we call it the house of God. God says, it's my court. That's what God calls it's my court. And Peter said, do you know the Holy Spirit is here? You are not lying to man. You are lying to God. First Timothy 3, 15. Paul told his son Timothy, so that if, I, if I'm delayed, you will know how people must, they must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. So you just got to be careful how you behave there. Conduct yourself with reverence for the presence of the Lord. That is the out there say that that's what that's why we don't see the, the powerful move of God because people disrespect the presence of God. I watched Young Church Church. The church had about 15,000, and somebody told me, he said, Pastor, I want you to watch that church. You will not see movements anyhow. People don't move anyhow. People don't move. I mean, you're watching these people, they're attentive, they're listening, all of them. Are you surprised that God will massively heal people? The choir very decently dressed, very, very thoroughly dressed. When they minister, you see people who are really, really not entertaining. Are you surprised that God will honor them back? So the church is the house of God. It's not a private place where you begin to turn it into a social, social gathering. It's, it's so, I, I just can't believe. Christians, instead of coming together to study scriptures, pray, seek the Lord, they're talking about socializing. <laughs> socializing. Turning the house of God into a place of socializing. Do you know what they did? They turned the temple into a place of socializing and merchandise. And Jesus came and flogged them and threw them out. Matthew 21, 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God, cast out all them that sold and brought in the, that bought in the temple. That's, a, that's misuse of the temple. And overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, it is written, my house. He said, cause is my house. This is my house. My house shall be called the house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. So in this day, we want to turn it into a place of social. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. He healed them. He said, this is what should happen here. Not, not this abuse of the place. Then we clap. After we hear the word of God, we clap. That is serious dishonor to God. Very serious dishonor to the word of God. There is no scripture. I want somebody to show me a scripture in the New Testament that talks of clapping. All this give God clap offering is nowhere to be found. It's not in the Bible. I went inside to say clap. I was shocked. I saw, up, I think about 15 times they mentioned clap. Only three talked about accompanying music with clap. And it was metaphorical, really. It was really metaphorical. Only three verses. The whole Bible. When you hear the word of God, you clap. Are you clapping for the Holy Spirit? Is he an entertainer? Is this entertainment? Did he entertain you? If your father talks to you, your father calls you and talks to you seriously. Do you clap for, for your daddy? Clap for daddy. 
<laughs> you clap daddy, wow. And then you walk away. That's insult to your father. And we do that because we don't know. And that's why we don't really imbibe the word of God because we sit down and entertain ourselves and clap. Wow, that was awesome. That's it. That's all. There's no meditation on it. There's no thinking. The Israel read, they gave attention. When he finished, they didn't clap. They bowed and worshiped and allowed the word to change them. The only places I saw clap, three verses in the whole Bible. If anybody sees another, I want to see you, please send it to me. Psalm 40, 41, it says to the chief musician, a psalm of songs of Korah, that's music. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. This is a compliment of clap with music because it's to the chief musician. It's supposed to be a music accompaniment. Then another one, Psalm 98 verses, to the chief musician again, a psalm of, psalm of songs of Korah. With trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord the King. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof, the world the world and they that dwell there and let the floors clap their hands. That's metaphorical. Just let, let the seas clap their hands. They don't have hands. It's metaphorical use of the, the only one more scripture that talks of clapping talks about here is clapping. It's metaphorical. Accompaniment in music. You clap in accompaniment with music. But not that you had the word of God and the Holy Spirit is doing something, you start clapping for the Holy Spirit. It, so you reduce him to the same thing with entertainers. What we're told to do in the New Testament is some, look at Psalm 34, tells us what to do. This is how you bless God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It's usually the mouth. You bless the Lord and praise the Lord. But when you have music, you can clap in accompaniment with the music. Hebrew 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to his name. There is no place in the New Testament we see clap. The church clapped or were told to clap and we see the clap. None. And we saw that they sang, praised. So we worship, we praise. That's what we do. When we hear the word of soberness, we listen. In your heart, you give it attention and meditate on it and think of what God told you. That's how to honor God. Then when we abuse our bodies, that's another temple of the Holy Spirit. When we abuse our bodies and misuse it for what God didn't create it to be used because he bought it, it's his own, then we are, we are being disrespectful to God. We are not having a sense of sacredness to the owner of our body. Second, First Corinthians 3.16, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who, who destroys his temple. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standard, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. But the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scripture says, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. You can't be shooting drugs into your body, getting drunk, living, using your body for immorality, all that kind of junk. You are, you are disrespecting the owner of the body. That's what Paul is. He said, if you think you're wise with this world standard, because that's what they do in the world, say, think again, you're foolish. Now, another way we, we need to go through these things, because sometimes we don't know. That's why we do what we do. We don't know. Now, another way we disrespect God is disrespecting God in prayer. Some of us, when we pray, we accuse God of dishonesty. Accuse him of failing. Can you imagine a Christian? I had a Christian say to God, hey, why were you when this thing happened to me? Why were you, Lord? Why were, as, God, as if God is his, 
Unbelievable. I mean, I was standing there and he was saying this. Why were you God? Why were you when this happened to me? That's disrespectful. That's lack of sense of sacrifice. That's a sure sign you don't even believe. Believe he's God Almighty. You don't know him. Mark 4, 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said unto him, Master, carries thou not that we perish? Call that prayer. Go to God and say, so you don't care. You accuse him of heartlessness. God Almighty, you accuse him of heartlessness. God is failing you. And then we don't, we, if you don't enter his presence with faith, you are not respecting him. You don't believe his God. If you believe his God, you trust him. First John 5, 10. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. So how can you go to God and you don't believe his testimony? The Holy Spirit says, do you know you are calling him a liar? That's a very disrespectful disposition. So you are calling him a liar. Hebrew 3.12. Hebrew 3.12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. It doesn't draw you to God. It separates you from God. Hebrew 10, 22. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. That's how you come and say you are God. There is no lie in you. You are holy. You are faithful. Your words are true. That's how you come with respect, fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let me read it again. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts fully trusting him. Not accusing him. Don't don't you care that we praise? That's not entering his cause with praise. That's not entering his cause with praise. He gets with with praise and worship. That's not how. That's not that. That's being disrespectful. And so in Psalm Psalm 100 verse 4, say, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. So we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his court with praise, not with accusation, not with murmuring and complaint. Because if we do that, that's disrespectful. That's lack of respect for God. But we enter with praise and say, Lord, you are holy, you are faithful, you are God, you are God Almighty. There is no, there's no darkness in you. You are, you are who you are then you really show that you respect him and you believe in him. And then when we go to God, even in prayer, we should not be lying to God. We should not try to manipulate God, con him to do what we want, pretending we have repented that change, just trying to deceive him. That, that's an insult to God. You should go, come to God the way you are. Come without pretense. Come, stop. Throw away all the masquerades and be real. You know, come, you, you can't deceive him. He knows you now. You know, if you really believe God is God, when you come to his presence, come without masquerading. Come to him the way you are. And don't try to, to, to deceive God or to tell him a lie so that he will do something. 
you know, start go there and be accusing your husband, telling God your husband is the one doing this, doing this. You are the one that is good, 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 good all the time. Matthew 7, 27. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children's face be filled, for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. This is where many of us would have ended it, said, call me dog, call me dog. But this woman kept respect for Jesus, kept honor going for Jesus. He was in the presence of the living Son of God. There's no option but to honor him. Verse 28, and she answered and said unto him, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. No, oh, God has not answered me. God has not, no, yes, Lord. Yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. Yes, Lord. Honor is due you. Respect is due you. You are the Lord regardless. And something amazing happened in verse 29. And he said unto her, For this saying, for this thing you said, go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. For this thing you said, Yes, Lord, even the crumbs is enough for this sin. No disrespect, nothing. Sometimes we talk to God like he's uh, our classmate. We talk to him. Talk to him like, you know, he's no more God. I want to remind us that faith is our lifestyle. That leads up to, the, to treating God as God always. Faith is a lifestyle of a Christian that manifests, that reveals in continuous reverence for God. You know, when, when Paul spoke to the, to the high priest, he said to the high priest, he said, God smite you, he said, because the man told them to slap him. He said, God, he said, you are slapping me. You don't have any reason to do this. You have not, I've not been found guilty. He said, God will judge you too. And they say, you are speaking to God's high priest. Paul said, oh my God. He said, I didn't know. It is the Lord's high priest for it is written. People read this thing. Say, for God said, I shall not speak evil of the leaders of my people in honor and respect and reverence for God. He immediately repented, even though he was right. They treated them wrongly, but for reverence for Jesus, he said, hey, how can I violate his word, even though they slapped me? Many of us, our mouth will be, sh- 20 minutes we are still talking. We are still talking. We have no reverence for anybody. Reverence for any- no reverence for anybody. Oh, no. We, we are not anointed. We know what we are doing. One time in my, heart, in my home, I showed great, great disrespect to my senior pastor because I was talking to my wife. I said, he is too quiet. I said, people are doing things. He should do this. He should do this. He, should, he has authority. Why is he not using it? In my house, I'm talking. I didn't know God was listening to me. And when things went south in my family, we went to the Lord and said, why are things not the way it should be? He said, well, who are you to insult your pastor? He said, I appointed him. If, if, I, if you were better than him, I would have chosen you. I saw you by pastor and made him your senior pastor. I come to your house and you saw. He said, when you sought him, you are sorting me. You are saying, I don't know what I'm doing. He said, go and apologize to him. Go to his office and apologize to him. And I went and something miraculous happened. That's happened to my life only, I think, uh, three times. Two times I've experienced that. And I went there and I began to encourage him and everything. He was so surprised. He said, okay, let me pray for you. Immediately I knelt down, he put his hand on me. Two other hands. There were four hands. His own and two more. 
physical, this is, I mean, two other hands were on my head. Four. And after he prayed, the Lord said to me, I wanted to show you that he is my servant. He said, I wanted to confirm that I gave him authority to be the senior pastor. And you have no right to, to insult him. So from that day, I learned. I learned. They said to David, now you've caught your enemy. You cannot deal with him, Saul. David said, how can I touch God's anointed? People don't know what they're talking about. You don't know what God put him there. How can, how can I? How many times did David have that opportunity? He said, no. If you ever did that, he will not be king. He will not be king. He said, I'm not going to do that. But then there's reverence. It's born out of humility. It's born out of making yourself of no reputation. It's born out of honor to God. You don't want to lift up yourself. Let God lift you up. All this mountain I'm talking, blah, 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 blah. Why does it lead us? Prayer failure. So God demands respect. God demands respect. We honor him. We honor his word. We honor his presence. We honor institutions he put in place. We honor people he has appointed to places. We honor these things. Make ourselves of no reputation. So God can lift us up in due time. Did you know Jesus came, the son of God? He said to John the Baptist, you need to baptize me. John said, no, I'm not fit to even tie your shoes. He said, John, we have to fulfill all righteousness. We have to follow divine instruction. It's not about me, it's about my father. Got to do it soon, because that's the way my father has designed it to be. He sent you ahead of me. So you finish your ministry. Even the son of God, the savior of the world, humbled himself. Honor his father all through. The Bible says he had deep reverence for his father. Deep reverence for his father. Showed in actions that he took. Showed he, he, he deferred to the father. He said, the words I speak are not mine. It's my father's. He said, what I do is not me. It's my father. He deferred to the father in every situation. And God demands respect. Again, let me read Malachi 1.6. A son honorates his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, if you call me father, where is my honor? This is a question I need to answer and you need to answer. And if I be master, where is my fear? Said the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And you say, wherein have we despised thy name? The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Precious Father, I want to thank you and give you praise and glory for you are leading us into the truth into a repositioning us in a place where we can experience honor from you. As Jesus said, I don't seek honor that comes from men. I seek only honor that comes from God. Father, you told us that the way to seek it is to honor you, is to have a sense of sacredness. And not let the spirit of the world control us. It's destructive. Separates us from fellowship with you. Robs us of privileges and blessings. Messes up our prayer. Father, I pray that you help us to hear you. To start from this night. To act like Israel when Israel read the word for them. That Lord, we bowed to your word. Help us to bow to your word. In Jesus' name we pray.